100.7 FM WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday at 10 AM. Sumner County Spotlight, exclusively by FNM Bank. 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. FNM Bank offers personal banking, business banking, and mortgage loans too. Right here in Hendersonville, FNM Bank is one of the top independent banks in Tennessee. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. MMLS number 518158. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlights, Tony Richards. Welcome to another edition of Sumner County Spotlight brought to you every Sunday morning by FNM Bank at myfmbank.com. On the phone and social distancing with us today, June McMahon, president and founder of the Sumner Spay and Neuter Alliance. June, how are you? I'm doing good, thank you. Well, we're glad to have you on the program this morning. Well, I'm glad to be here. Always glad to talk about uh, the Spay Neuter Clinic. Well, cool. Well, before we dive into all that and how you uh, decided to take this on, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and a little bit of your background. Well, I am from New Jersey. You know, uh-huh. New Jersey. Where I they, do know New Jersey. And they drink their coffee. And <laughs> and what happened to that uh, accent? Is it gone, or do you still have remnants? Oh, oh, I worked hard to get that gone. When I last couple of years before I moved from New Jersey, I uh, was president of another animal welfare group that I just sort of fell into accidentally and decided it was for me. And um, when I moved down here. I wanted to work with a group, but there was one, but there was none. So um, I started the uh, Sumner County Humane Society in 1973, and I knew I was going to be talking to city and county officials, and I thought, well, they, they probably aren't going to want to <laughs> work with a and they're probably not going to work with no Yankee woman. So I better get rid of this accent. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Uh, you sound like a Southerner to me. Well, good. I feel like one. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, tell us a little bit about, you know, a little more of a, your where you came from and, and uh, right. well, a little bit about all your history. and New Jersey, and then I moved here and, and found there was no um, humane group here. I, I, I really didn't know what a culture shock it was going to be. Um, and when I found no animal welfare group, I just got in my car my boxes weren't even unpacked yet and i just got in my car and started driving around stopped at the first veterinary office that i saw and started asking questions and found out you know some things about how the animal control was handled in the county and i didn't like what i heard and wrote a lot back then we didn't have internets or cell phones or right. anything like that yeah. so um we relied heavily on newspapers, and I think I'm a little old-fashioned. I, I probably still do, but um, I wrote a letter to the editor saying that there was a need for a humane group here, and uh, this is what it would do for the animals and for the community, and anybody was interested, uh, please give me a call. Well, what happened so, before you began this, then? Well, I just was going around gathering information and decided, you know, what kind of things we were going to need, fundraising and bylaws and money and a logo and, you know, just a board of directors and all those things. And I was gathering information on that uh, just so we could sit down and get started. And I got like 30 phone calls and we met in some big room somewhere and uh, started the Humane Society. And when uh, when again was this? This was 1973. Okay. And uh, so I have been at this for like 50-something years. Uh, counting the time in New Jersey that I spent doing animal welfare stuff. So, you know, we just got together. We divided it up in committees and started fundraising and started researching and started finding out different things about how how animals were handled in the county and uh, how they could be handled and how they should be handled and uh, how we could solve some problems. And uh, we just, you know, it just blossomed from there. And uh, we were in a little building... uh, in Hendersonville, first behind an auto supply store, and then in uh, we had those celebrity softball games. There might be some people around that would still remember those with, between Barbara Mandrell and Conway Twitty and a lot of the country music people. Right. And we raised money to buy the building where the Humane Society is right now. And I stayed there probably 20, 25 years and then decided uh, I was working with a friend of mine in Wilson County, and she had all kinds of spay-neuter programs going up there. And uh, I just decided that um, sheltering was kind of um, reactive 
and spay neuter mm-hmm. was proactive. Right. So then I got right. the spay neuter thing, and uh, you know my friend helped me get uh, this one started here as well. It was when Sheriff Barker was alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote him a um, proposal about what a spay neuter clinic could do for the county and how beneficial it would be because they were building a new animal control facility at that time, and that was in, like, 2010, something like that. And uh, he got right back to me, put me in touch with the architect, and uh, my friend came in from Wilson County, and then the Sumner Spay Neuter Alliance uh, so began. So what, what, what did the county, how did the county deal with animals back in the early 70s? You know, oh, dear. I guess there wasn't, you know, no, nobody really knew what to do, I suppose, for a while there. No, I'm surprised there even was an animal control, but there was a, a an elderly man that used to go around and pick up um, dogs and cats when people would call and they had a stray or they didn't want their animal or something like that, and, and he had a box on the back of his truck, mm-hmm. and he would shove everything in there, big dogs, little dogs, cats, puppies, everything in this box, and of course, you know, that was not a very humane way to do it, so... Um, Right. I just went down and, you know, talked to the city about it and everything. Before you knew it, this little elderly man quit, and um, they put a new, not a new facility, but an additional facility out on Long Hall Pike, and uh, it was better than a box on the back of the truck, but it still Right. Well, they still kept him a couple of days then, I think, and that was yeah, about it, right? It was just a slab of concrete with a fence around it, and everything again went in there. Oh, in one place. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. Like, yeah, dogs in heat, male dogs, aggressive dogs, tiny puppies. There were some cages in the middle of the concrete for cats, so the cats had to be terrorized by the dogs that were all running around outside the cage. Mm-hmm. And it was still bad, and um, I wound up um, suing the county twice for inhumane activity. And um, ho- hopefully, I mean, my I think sometimes my reputation still precedes me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With uh, county officials and things, but, um, you know, because they weren't very happy about me back then, but it just was horrible. It was horrible. And how how has time changed that? Well, we have a brand new facility now. Of course, um, the facility's okay, but um, the programs that they have do need some upgrading. Mm -hmm. Uh, The animals need a little bit better care. Uh, They need some more adoption kind of options and uh, some training and, you know, some new things like that that could make it better, and we're, we're trying to work on it. And little by little, I, I do think maybe it'll come around. But So uh, what right is, now, there a, is there an optimal model, or does this sort of evolve over the years as, as people learn more and, and things like that? No, there are. Oh, gosh, there is so much going on in animal control around the country. Of course, it's in very progressive areas and some more rural areas, but mostly progressive areas, and there are so many national groups that are working on this, and there is something called managed intake, where instead of just taking everything that everybody brings to you, you you more likely schedule them so you don't have to put animals to sleep anymore. You schedule them, and then you also have a plan to fast-track the animals out of there. For instance, uh, a, a German Shepherd comes in today. Well, you're right on the phone calling a German Shepherd rescue. As soon as his stray hold is up, he's into that rescue. Or uh, our animal control does not allow people to go in the back area where the intake area is. They are, they're only allowed to go in the adoption area. So if they would open up that back right now and let people in there, uh, a person might see an animal and say, oh, when its stray hold is up, I want that dog, and then it would already be on a fast track to getting a home, you know. And they, they, they just need a little little training in there, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just uh, we just need to work on it a little. <laughs> well, it's you know, it, it is ever evolving. There's no question. But I'm assuming course, uh, families that are ready to foster um, have grown exponentially in the last several years. Well, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, there always seems to be more animals right now that uh, need help than than there are places to take them. But, I mean, gosh, when I first moved here, there were eight humane groups in the entire state. Now there's way more than that in our one county. So uh, it it has a long way, you know, and we have 
the internet, we have Pet Finder, we have Facebook, we have so many ways to, to place animals in homes now. In fact, there is a national group, and some people that might be listening may have heard of it. It's called Best Friends, and they are proclaiming that we are going to be a nation where we never have to euthanize an animal by uh, 2025. That's a so, pr- aggressive uh, goal. It, it is. It is, but there are so many ways to get there if... Um, if people will learn and listen, and groups will learn and listen, there uh, it can be done. It so, what can. was what was the shelter like when you first opened it? So, you got your you got your building when you first got right. it, and what was the first thing you guys were trying to do, other than you know maybe cordon them off so they each have their own space? I'm assuming was a priority. Right, we had to put cages in and you know runs and everything. Um, I was because I was from New Jersey, and we already had our spay neuter program going up there. I was pretty progressive with the spay neuter, and we got together a program with the local vets where they were willing to reduce the price a little bit. So when people um, had an animal that needed to be fixed or they adopted, uh, it could be done a, a little cheaper. But at back then, we had no nonprofit spay neuter groups. Uh, we had we had to work with local vets, and most of them worked with us. Some of them didn't, but um, you know it was the best we had for the time. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, we had an open. We were open seven days a week. People could come in and and look and adopt. But back then, we had no resources. We had no. Well, you know, getting uh, the like word pets. out so that there were pets up for adoption was, you know, probably a challenge. Just to hey, we've got a bunch here. You know, we could we could use people who right. want to help out. Well, we, did. we had the pet of the week in the newspaper, and we had lots of articles. I used to write a a column uh, for like eight years. I wrote a pet lovers only column in the paper and. We did a lot of TV stuff back then and, um, you know, everything we could possibly do when we didn't have the resources that we have today. But because we didn't have what we have today, we had to euthanize. And, right. Um, well, where did your uh, where did your love for animals start? I mean, it's one thing to like animals. It's another one to make it your, <laughs> your, your passion and your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, well, gosh, I don't know. When I was a little bitty kid, probably about three years old, my mom and dad used to take me to the circus in New York City because we were very close, living in New Jersey. And uh, finally, I got up the nerve, and I told them that I didn't want to go to the circus anymore because I didn't want to see the man hit the tiger with the whip. So oh, um, okay. you know, conscious of it even back then. And then, of course, when Alice in Wonderland, the movie came out, when Alice's cat fell down the little rabbit hole there, um, oh, I was having a fit. I yeah. couldn't enjoy the movie. I was so worried about who was going to take care of her kitty while she was gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, that answers that question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, of course, I have my own pets. I don't I don't have that many because I'm, I realize that if I get too many here at home, then I can't get out. You know, I'm about helping the masses. I want to help the masses. Right. Well, I was going to say, so, this isn't limited to just dogs and cats, I'm assuming. Your well, your love your love for animals. I mean, those, oh, yes, well, those are the ones you focus on. But yeah. Yeah. I I don't even kill spiders. I mean, I get a cup and a plate, and I grab the spider up in the cup and put the plate underneath it and take it outside. You know, I mm-hmm. figure everything wants to live. Yep. So. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, we're talking with June McMahon, uh, president, founder of Sumner Spay and Neuter Alliance, and we're going to come back with more of our program here on Sumner County Spotlight in just a moment. Please stay with us. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. And we are back here on Sumner County Spotlight this Sunday morning and every Sunday morning on WHIN. Our guest this morning is June McMahon, president founder of Sumner Spay and Neuter Alliance. And June, uh, so when this all began... I'm assuming mm-hmm. back when you first started, the numbers were kind of overwhelming until things got a little more sort of under control. Oh, absolutely. The numbers of stray animals and unwanted animals are coming into the um, the small animal control facility in Thunder County. We're like, oh, in the threes and the fours and the five thousands. Uh, and then when our clinic opened in 2011, the numbers started coming down because, of course, the more they neuter you can do, the less unwanted animals you're going to have. So uh, it started coming down, and, and since 2011, we have reduced uh, the intake of animals, unwanted strays, everything, by 42%. Uh, 
and we reduced euthanasia by 68%. So you saw so you saw an impact really quickly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it does happen pretty quickly. And, of course, we're able to provide a lot of free spay-neuter services to people that uh, just really can't afford it. There's a lot of need in our community, and we realize that if we're going to meet our mission, which is to reduce the intake and reduce the, in, uh, the euthanasia at animal control, that we have to reach all animals, not just those that belong to people that can pay. So Right. Uh, well, what, what's, uh, what's happened with the explosion in the population in the last few years? Does that change things, too? Are people, you know, bringing more pets and then deciding they can't take care of them? Or? No, it's really not. That's, uh, that's kind of what I'm talking about with the intake of people that uh, were bringing in animals in the past years. There's just not that many that are that's, coming in now. That's really but, unusual, though. Yeah, well, no, it's really not. Um, it's the it's the trend and the way of the country now because, like I say, there are so many national groups and private groups like like ours. So it's not that it's these. not that people are having fewer pets. It's that there's more opportunities uh, to help them. Right. Yeah. I mean, when someone has a a pet, and in the past they were ready to give it up because they just couldn't put up with all the litters. Uh, now they can have their pet spayed right around the corner from them, you know? And, and if they can't afford it, they can have it done free, and they can have it vaccinated and everything for free. Yeah, and that's so, sort yeah. of years and years of just educating yeah. the public. Look, if you're not planning right. on having right. puppies, then do the do what you need to do quickly, you know? Right. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, you know, so many people now, spay and neuter is, gosh, that's, those are household words now. They right. really are. And what is a recommended uh, age after you get a pup and they get rolling or a cat or whatever? We, we will do um, kittens and puppies at three pounds. For a cat, that's usually about uh, 12 weeks. And for a puppy, it might be anywhere between 8 and 12 weeks, depending on the breed of it, whether it's a large breed or a small breed. But um, even the American Veterinary Medical Association condones that uh, at, at that age and that that weight because uh, it's a quick surgery, it's a faster recovery surgery, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just boom, boom, boom. And then that way, and it's a good tool for shelters, uh, like the shelters we have here in our community. It's a good tool for them because then that way they can have that puppy spayed or neutered before it goes into its new adoptive home. And they know that there's going to be no puppies or kittens brought to them six months from now because the animal wasn't fixed when it went out. So. Right. Any any shelter in this day and age will uh, stay and neuter. They require stay and neutering before they adopt them into a new home. So, so that, these are you know of, those are just some of the services that you offer the community. Well, um, it's it's our main service. In other words, we only do vaccinations at the time of surgery. We, we can't. We don't have people come back vaccinations. They have to find their vet and go to their vet to have that done mm-hmm. the next time do because uh, we are a stay neuter clinic and if we start seeing clients uh, for vaccinations we won't get our our stay neuter done we we do about 10,000 animals a year in in surgery Uh, wow and since yeah since we've been open we we perform more than 80,000 surgeries now where do you find the people to perform these procedures and things Uh, we hire them we're we're not a we're not a, a volunteer I mean yes we I'm a volunteer our director's a volunteer but uh, and of course, we have a volunteer board of directors as well. But our, our veterinarians, our staff—they're they're paid people. You can't run an, an organization like this that's so big and busy with volunteers because sometimes volunteers are not dependable. Right. <laughs> I hate to right. say that because there yeah. are so many that are and that are wonderful out there. Yeah. But you know, you just can't run an organization like this on on volunteers. Uh, so tell me about uh, uh, what is the um, the you've seen lots of things over the years. Let's say, uh, oh my what are, what are some of the worst <laughs> circumstances? If you could describe a few, you know, no, not naming names or anything, but just some of the right. abuses that you've because you, you've probably run across some animals that haven't been doing well. Yeah, yeah. Well. Mostly, I, I kind of say when I was on the sheltering side of it, that was like the reactive side, you know, the side where you saw the people throwing them out the windows and the people that 
It said my dog had a litter of eight puppies. I, you, you have to take them or I'm going to dump them out on the way home. Those kind of things happens at a sheltering place. Right now, um, it, it's mostly more positive because people are doing the right thing. They're bringing a pet in to be spayed or neutered. If it's their own or they're bringing it in, if they're with a rescue group, uh, because it's going to a home or, you know, those kind of things. But, oh, gosh, I, I don't even know if I should describe some of the worst things I've seen when I was with the Humane Society years ago. I mean, bones bones sticking out of animals that come in the door and animals on the road that you picked up. I remember one Christmas Eve that um, we got a call that there was a dog hit out in the middle of the road, and I was, of course, headed home, and I went and picked this dog up, and we had a, a friend of the shelter who was a, a human doctor, Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the only, on Christmas Eve, it was the only place I could stop. So I, I stopped at his house to get the dog taken care of and, you know, the best I could and lose some pain medicines until, you know, I could get him to the, the veterinarian. But, oh, gosh, um, I mean, I've been shot at. I used to investigate animal cruelty. Whoa. I've been shot at. And, yeah. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, I could write a book, you know. <laughs> now, was that in New Jersey or here? <laughs> no, that was here. That was here. Okay. Uh, we were investigating a horse cruelty one time, and uh, the lady was mad at us, and she called us uh, trash and went in the house and got her gun. And uh, meanwhile, the, the husband was trying to sign the release to let us put the horse out of its misery because it was beyond being fixed. It was just laying down stuck to the ice in the wintertime. And oh, my goodness. The release, and his pen wasn't right because he's trying to write on the top of the car. And <laughs> he's clicking the pen, trying to make it right, and she's going in and getting her gun and pulls the gun out and shoots it over her head. And me and the veterinarian ran behind the, the barn, and the other lady ran to her car. And oh, it was like a, you know, like a, a, a crime movie or something. Yeah. Sounds like you could maybe do a screenplay. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Well, tell us uh, so at any given time, how many are in your shelter, uh, you know, going through, and, and how long do they stay? Is it just they're in and out the next day or a couple of days, or how does that work? We're not the shelter. Uh, animal control is the shelter. Right, and, but uh, I mean, they've got to come there for their. Do, do you go there? Do they come to you? Yeah. How's you know? No, they come to us. We are set up just like a veterinary clinic. Okay. Uh, we are a veterinary clinic. We have to have a premise permit and all the things that a regular veterinary clinic was. The only thing is that we're not considered full service because we don't do X-rays of bones and um, you know see clients. All we do is stay neuter all day. Um, Oh, that's all we try to do anyway. <laughs> but, well, once in a while, you know, you get in there and there may be a few other issues. but <laughs> Right, right. But, I mean, they just come in. The animals come in early in the morning, like around 7, 38 o'clock, and they, they do stay overnight. Uh, they're given pain medicine. Uh, we'd like them to have one good night of cage rest because if we send the animals home, sometimes they get to playing with the kids or the other Right, animals. they get a little rowdy. They're, yeah. Surgery sites get open and things like that. So since they're on their, uh, all their meds and their pain meds, they make them sleepy. So they just get in there and sleep all night. And the next morning, they're very happy to see their owner. So, so what? Just, uh, um, so how many edit can you do in a day, for example? I mean, oh, we we can do a lot in a day. It just depends. Sometimes we have two doctors working. Sometimes we only have one doctor working. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if we have one doctor, she can do probably 40, maybe even 45, depends on males or females. The males take less time, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she can do probably 40, 45 in a day. And if we have um, two veterinarians, we might do 75, 80 in a day. Uh, it, it's quite a lot, yeah. It's, it's right. quite a lot. Um, I'm, you yeah. know, I'm assuming not everything goes perfect sometimes. There's some, um, you know, things that just don't go well. Um, right. And I'm assuming... Now, who... Is that does a clinic talk to the owners? Do you chat with them? I mean, how involved are you day to day? Or we we do well, not me personally. I'm actually um, the clinic is a very busy place. I'm 72 years old. It runs a little too fast for me anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do most of my work from home. I also go out and do trapping. I trap cats and um, just you know, like I say, all of there's so many things behind the scenes that people don't see. But uh, when things go wrong, uh, we do our own aftercare, uh, checkups and health care and everything. In other words, people can, if something went wrong, like sometimes an animal might be lethargic an extra day after surgery and the owner worries and they bring them in and 
if they had a, a well they're just like people they're all different they all heal a little differently uh, and you know we, we give the people the antibiotics that they might need if the, the site was a little swollen or something you know we don't charge uh anything mm. extra for anything like that uh, we write a lot of grants um we get some money from the cities we don't get anything from the county we're hoping we do this year but because uh, <laughs> we do quite a service and for the county uh, mm-hmm. with uh, you know what what we do and so you're you're more of the uh, the advocate for the organization and talking with the officials all the time do you have somebody that helps you do that now are you uh, no. passing are you passing the torch are you uh, teaching other no. folks at the uh, <laughs> at the clinic how to do things and no um, we help a lot of other groups around we have transport where they organize a group of animals to be come to us to be spayed or neutered and you know we help other counties uh we're trying trying to encourage robertson county to get their own clinic built now because they have a need for one up there there's one in wilson there's one in uh oh let me say where else uh franklin kentucky shelbyville davidson county there are so many clinics around now there's probably oh gosh there's probably at least 20 or 25 in Tennessee right now. Maybe and I'm, I'm assuming you have good working relationships with a lot of those and how you guys oh, work together. Yeah. And Oh, definitely. We have a good relationship with all the clinics. We have a good relationship with all our veterinarians in the county. Um, but mostly what I do, you know, like I said, there's a lot, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. There's all kinds of legal paperwork, reports, um, financial stuff, insurance, fundraising, mailing lists. I mean, I'm busy eight hours a day, <laughs> <laughs> even without ever being at the clinic. Now I was at the clinic the day before. I will go down there and fill in for somebody if somebody is sick or we had a, a staff member out with a broken leg. And, you know, I will go down there and try to try to help. But uh, right. mainly it's right. just a little too fast for me. And there's plenty to do on the outside. <laughs> well, you, you set the table for uh, a lot of people doing a lot of good work. Uh, June McMahon, we're talking with president and founder of Sumner Spay and Neuter Alliance. And we're up against our break, and we're going to come back with more of our program on Sumner County Spotlight in just a moment. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. We are back on Sumner County Spotlight this Sunday morning, and we're speaking with June McMahon, president and founder of Sumner Spay and Neuter Alliance, here on WHIN and June. Uh, so you talked a little bit about trapping cats. What? When did that all happen? Did you, is this just something you decided you're going to try to do on your own to help and capture some, you know, folks that were trying to figure out what to do? Because I mean, I know cats, stray ones in particular. <laughs> I've never gotten one to even go near me. They just went away, oh. you know. Well, there's there's so much science going on now in, in learning about all these stray cats out there. Uh, trap neuter return. TNR, we call it, is something that was developed probably 20 or more years ago. You uh, take a humane trap, you set it, put bait in it, the the cat goes in, the door closes, you take it, you have it spayed or neutered, and you return it to the spot where it came from. Uh, This is the way we are controlling stray cats in this country, all over the country, all over the world right now. Mm -hmm. And it's working. Uh, populations are going down. Um, it's absolutely amazing. When it, I'm working in a in a mobile home park right here in Gallatin, there's probably 15, 20 cats over there. When you get the cats fixed, they stop being an annoyance. They stop that bad behavior, howling, scratching, digging, spraying. Uh, they become they don't become friendly to humans necessarily, but they become good neighbors. You can live with them right there in the trailer park. And, and right right now what's happening is we've probably done 15 or 16 over there. The, a few new ones showed up. And, of course, with the COVID thing. Well, how the heck do you get them? I still, I mean, well, but it's <laughs> you, you've got it down to a science, I'm assuming. Yeah. It's, it's a humane trap. Uh, I mean, it's like a like a trap you would buy in tractor supply. Only these are a little more sophisticated. Right. They open both ends, and uh, there's many, many things that you can do with these traps uh, to kind of fool the cats, because what's happening sometimes is you you might have a colony of cats, 20 cats, and oh my. You, get 15, okay. you get 15 of them. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, this, 
yeah, oh, I've got lots of situations like that. You get 15 of them, and the last five get kind of hard to catch. So um, you put the traps out, you tie the door up so it doesn't actually close, and you put the food in there, and they can walk in and out, in and out for five, six days. The day you want to catch them, you fix the door so it trips. Oh, okay. The, Clever. So they feel yeah, safe going in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, I mean, there's so many little tricks like that that you can do. I mean, I'm, I could write a book on it, but I don't need to because too many other people have done that before me. So <laughs> I'm going to ask you uh, a, an impossible question, but I bet you have okay. a ballpark idea. So oh, wow. since 73 or whenever you started all this in Sumner County, how many animals have come through uh, your organization? Well, um, for 20 years that I worked at the Humane Society, about 3,000 a year. I don't know. What is that? 60, okay. <laughs> a bunch. Uh, right. And then since we started the Humane, I mean, the, the um, spay-neuter clinic, uh, it's been 80,000. So that's, you know, it's an easy question. <laughs> I knew you'd know the answer. For some reason, yeah. I knew you would know what it is. So how do you, I mean, you could tell right away, you know, when this all began, and how can you tell now with, like you said, you got a lot of organizations helping around the country, there's a lot around the area in Middle Tennessee, how can you tell if uh, you're still having that impact you want to have, is it just the numbers start dwindling, and is that a good thing or a bad thing? Or? Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, well, like I said, uh, our, our mission is to reduce the number of cats and dogs that are coming into our government shelters. Now, most of the shelters, the private shelters, are no-kill. And, and they're, they're doing their own thing, and they're doing a good job. They're not taking in more than what they can handle at a time and, and everything. But as far as government shelters, a lot of government shelters will take in whatever people bring, and then when their cages get too full, they have to, they have to euthanize them. They have to kill them. Right, right. And that's what we're trying to get away from. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's interesting, though. Everybody so, has to play a role. And you all, yeah, I'm assuming you all have to work together, too. You can't just, you know, you do. Well, you do. yeah, mm-hmm. we, we do. And, and I'd like to see, you know, there's so many things that are going on here nationally and locally that uh, I'd like to see the groups work together even a little more. I really would. That, that would be before I die. I hope that uh, that I see that. Yeah, uh, with yeah. Some more networking, um, a little more progressive programs, things like that. I, I really hope that happens. I'm, I'm trying to make it happen. <laughs> you know, it's interesting what you see over the years. Um, maybe some people started shelters or whatever, or no kills or whatever, and it starts out as a good thing, but then it gets, it just goes sideways and gets ugly, and or people intentionally do things uh, to profit. How, what, what of that have you seen? Well, that that's true. Uh, the worst thing that I have seen within this industry is personality clashes that can tear a group apart. Uh, people that work in this industry have to take an approach like, I don't like that person. I don't care. I don't have to have lunch with them. I don't have to invite them to my house. All I have to do is work with them on saving this animal's life. And if everybody would just adopt that philosophy instead of using their ego, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's probably like that in a lot of groups. But I mean, I have seen a lot of uh, I call them putting out fires. I've seen a lot, seen a lot of that, and a lot of time is wasted. Right, that. right. Just, well, uh, you know, if if your eyes are on the prize and on the mission and what you're there to do, right. Uh, right. then you don't have to sit there and focus on each other. Because you're right, it's not right. about it's not yeah. about you. No, it's not, and and that seems to be, you know, no matter what, when I get aggravated with something somebody has done or said or whatever, I say, okay, I don't care. This is about the animal, and I'm going to get through this. Um, well, there's all I, different I, kinds of things. There's the government's yeah. role and, their, and, and what they can do, and they can only keep them so long and have so many. There's the role of the okay. spay and neuter clinics. There's the role of, of uh, you know, adoption. And all of these different organizations, how many how many types of organizations like that, including what the city and counties do, uh, are in Sumner uh, alone? Well, we have um, two shelters in, in Sumner. We have Safe Place for Animals, and we have the Humane Society in Hendersonville, Safe Places in Gallatin. 
And then we have other organizations like Freedom Farm, and there are numerous rescues. Gosh, I can't even name them all. Um, let's see, JoJo's Those Dog typically House. can't take as many, I'm assuming, right? Or No, because those those groups mostly want, work with fosters and in their own homes. So mm-hmm. when, when a person decides they're full, um, then they can't take anymore. But, I mean, they do... The, the, Rescues that work in their own home may have to do a lot of networking to find a place to put an animal. And we stay and neuter most all of the animals. There's probably eight or ten more rescue groups in Thunder County besides the shelters that I met, that I mentioned. So if there's a dog or a cat in particular, that's probably come through your place at one point or another. Probably. Probably, yeah. The, the problem was the, the, um, right now we're spending so much time catching up with the COVID thing. We had to close almost a month. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had to postpone about a thousand appointments. So between those and trying to catch up and new ones that people want to make, we are we are really you know it's it's rough. It's rough. What what is it that uh, what is it that you guys are in need of right now? Um, you know, like you said, everything kind of came to a screeching halt. Uh, right. Yeah. How did that affect uh, what you do? Well, we we are hiring a a, a vet assistant. If there's anybody out there in vet assistant land that is interested in a job, we are hiring right now. We are hiring uh, veterinarians. We're always hiring veterinarians because we mostly the way this works is you have one full-time veterinarian, and then you have the filling veterinarians that, you know, they might work here one day and there one day and for you one day and, you know, like that. So we're always looking for good folks to to, to come in and work out there. And, of course, we have a wish list. We need uh, towels and blankets and laundry, liquid laundry soap and dryer sheets and paper towels and toilet paper. It's <laughs> a lot to do to keep the place clean, which is really important, you know. Yeah, a lot of, yeah, and we have a lot of laundry, just like any shelter or anything like that would, because we use blankets and towels like there was no tomorrow, so... So who regulates your, um, I guess, industry? It's not, I don't know if that's the right term, but... Right, right. Well, we call it an industry now. We used to call it a movement, but an industry, uh, we've grown, the animal welfare movement has grown so big now that movement doesn't really give you a great place at the table, but if you call it an industry, you know, it just kind of gives a different feel to it. And it yeah. is an industry. It is so big now all over the country that it, it is actually an, an industry. Uh, there actually is no one, no organization. Well, so it's up to you guys that to to yeah. create a nice sterile environment where you can do your right. work, and and so that the animals, yeah. you know, the last thing you want them to do is get sick by going there. Well, well, of course, in our case, we are considered a veterinary clinic. We're not a full service veterinary clinic, which, like I said before, which means we would treat broken bones and you know diagnose right. things like but that. But you fall under but that we, sort of category. We fall under that, and we have to be uh, reinspected every two years and have to pass our inspection to get our what's called a premise permit. Uh, so, you know, we we are regulated. But as far as shelters, there's really no one that regulates them. The only thing that would happen is if uh, there was a shelter or a rescue group or something that um, was doing some inhumane practices or maybe a hoarding situation or uh, that it was not good for the animals, they would have to fall under the state and anti-cruelty laws. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so are there organizations out there that help people that don't know they have a problem with, whether it's hoarding or um, they don't they don't see themselves as abusers? Well, no animal folks think they are, um, even though they may sure. be. Um, what kind of help can they get? Well, in most cases, it would be the uh, law enforcement that would have to answer a hoarding case. Mm-hmm. As in our county, it would be the animal control because they're under the sheriff's department, so they are the, the animal law enforcement, of course. Well, and that plays sheriff. an important role as well. Well, it does, uh, but in this day and age, it used to be years ago, somebody would go in and the person would get arrested and all this stuff. Now, today, it's pretty much about problem solving. Problem solving first, mm-hmm. and then the law enforcement later, because we, we get a little further that way. Um, you know, there's an awful lot of people these days that are being brought up on charges of animal cruelty. You see it on TV all the time. Uh, but at the same time, rescue groups go in and 
get all the animals and have them vetted and then chat sort of chat with them. the owners and try to help them understand look this is just yeah. not a good environment yeah. for yeah yeah it yeah. depends on course there was just a few that would be probably what it was but if there's a whole lot of them like 50 or 60 there's a, a national organization called the animal rescue tour sometimes you see them on tv if there's a, a, a big situation they will go in and rescue all the animals and but then it's up to the the county or the city to to do the law enforcement part. Right. How many how many folks in your organization right now that are doing the work? Uh, you mean for the spay neuter clinic? Yeah. Oh well, of course we've got our staff of about ten. We've got a, a, a board of directors, and um, myself and uh, the director over at the clinic were. We're always working together, and, you know, we have some volunteers that come in and help us in the clinic. But our, our our clinic is not like an animal shelter. You don't come in and walk the dogs because these are people's pets. They've had surgery. They're asleep. Yep, yep. <laughs> so our but there's a job to do. You're getting them in. You're getting them out. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah. there is a but system there, and you're, you're performing an important service. Right. Otherwise, there'd yeah. be cats and dogs all over the county, all over the place. And, you, you know, right. you can almost oh, yeah. tell areas and pockets of the country or places you visit or maybe you're going to visit relatives and they're in a smaller town i mean you can see it pretty simple mm-hmm. pretty easily it seems to me you can yeah you can and i mean think about it as you drive around Sumner county it's very rare to see a dead dog or cat on the road anymore right right you know you might see a possum or a raccoon or something but it it's you still see them occasionally, but it's very rare that there is a dead dog or a dead cat. That's well, that's what I was kind of getting at, and that's that means yeah. that everybody's doing their, you know, fulfilling their role. Right. People are getting more responsible. They're keeping their pets at home where they belong, um, and there's not so many out there to be strayed, to be hit on the road. Well, it seems to me that yeah. COVID has actually been good for, you know, people want to have companionship at home and everything, and, and they're, <laughs> well, maybe they're paying a, little, paying a little more attention to their pets, hopefully. That's true. You know? Pets are going to be really disappointed when everybody goes I back know. We're going to have a bunch of lonely, a lonely uh, <laughs> drive through a neighborhood and hearing some howling. <laughs> Wait a minute. Where'd they go? Uh, we are talking with June McMahon, president and founder of Sumner Spay and Neuter Alliance, and we're going to come back with the last segment of our program right after these messages brought to you by FNM Bank at myfmbank.com right here on WHIN. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. Back again with Sumner County Spotlight in our last segment. We're talking with June McMahon, president and founder of the Sumner Spay and Neuter Alliance. And, uh, well, June, why don't you tell us, you know, fundraising is a big part of it. You guys have a lot of volunteers. you got a board. Uh, a lot of people have their fingers in this, all with good intentions and in trying to help the uh, control the animal population in Sumner County. Uh, tell us yeah. about, I'm, I'm assuming COVID's affected you guys. Well, definitely. Uh, we had to uh, cancel our, our best fundraiser. This would have been our 10th year for the Pedal for Paws event, uh, it's a fun event. We have about 400 bike riders, and uh, we usually raise $25,000 with it. We had, had to cancel that, as so many other groups had to cancel theirs. But uh, we have just been very blessed. Um, we're, we're always looking for donations, of course, and uh, we have a website that's uh, SumnerStayNeuterAlliance.org, and, uh, you know, people send us donations to our post office box. It's P.O. Box. 1834 Gallatin 37066 and um, you, know, you can do through PayPal or anything or send a check or anything like that. I'll just get that little ruthless plug in there. <laughs> yeah, so are you guys planning on doing it again, getting back to it next year then? Yeah, we'll get back to it next year. We'll start meeting about the end of the year to start planning it, I suppose, and uh, we have it at the Civic Center of the year. So that, we missed a year. That'll have to be our 10th, but uh, that's just our really our one big fundraiser that we have um, every year. We uh, of course send out a Christmas mailer, mm-hmm. and um, we really have have done real well with uh, donations. We're we're not hurting for anything uh, through the COVID thing. We're we're managing to do all right. We well, have, must uh, must be being uh, well ma- uh, monitored by your board and everybody doing their part. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, our our director is an amazing uh, financial manager. 
she um, she just does real well. And then, like I said, of course, we write grants, and um, we, we just do our, our well. Um, well, I'm glad you have somebody do that, because that is not my cup of tea. Boy, that's a lot yeah. of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work. Yeah, that would be me, and that would be our director, Sarah, who writes those grants. And, and then, of course, like I said, the city does give us a little bit of money, um, and we have... Um, we have marvelous reviews on Facebook if anybody's interested in looking at those. There so you go. I think everybody loves us and they want to send us money. So That's a good thing. We're so grateful for that. So yeah. when you when you started this and, you know, you obviously just wanted to help, um, you, you, you kind of have an idea in your mind of what you want it to be. What has this turned into over these 30, 40, whatever? I, I don't even want to get into the amount of years that make me feel old. Um what it, what it, what it is now versus when you began? Well, it's a strange thing because um, my body just doesn't have the energy, but my brain is going like crazy. There's so much more that I that I want to do. Um, for instance, now there's a, a a part of this industry that is gearing up to be able to provide free and very low cost uh, veterinary care for animals. Because I mean, you know, you've got the the sweet little old lady that lives by herself, and she's got the little chihuahua with the, the toenails that are curled around, and mm-hmm. she doesn't drive, and, you know, she has no way to, to get her animals to shops and things like that, and she has no funds. And so, I mean, you know, there's there's programs that are coming out now to uh, help provide for that kind of a thing in a community, and um, I'd love to see that here. Well, what about the technology piece? Because that's obviously been huge i mean even if you put your dog at the doggy day spa you know they send you pictures and uh, on your phone and all this you know i mean there's a lot of really neat things just just databases like you said databases and outreach and ways to connect potential owners and people who adopt and things like that yeah yeah well there there is so much uh there's there's probably not really much more as far as technology that uh, i think we need it at as far as spay neuter, uh, except maybe more spay neuter clinics, uh, but there there's a lot out there that's still needed for animals. That's for darn sure. As far as the more trapping and more TNR trapping, neutering, returning, um, there's more need for shelters that uh, can network and find more homes. Uh, I mean, who who would what shelter would not love to be able to go out of business? Right. Well, isn't this sort of part of the community? Because I'm, I'm assuming there's counties around in Tennessee or cities or whatever that are just leaving it up to the government to take care of because there's not a volunteer base right. that, you know, they want to do something, but they don't know what to do. Right. Well, uh, there are so many, like I said, there's the national organizations that all you have to do is type in Humane Society of the United States or American Humane Association or Best Friends or... Uh, animal welfare, and you will come up with how to start a animal welfare group in my community. How about I mean, that? It's, That's pretty neat. It's so easy now. I mean, I mean, it's not easy. It's a lot of hard work. Right, but it wasn't. But it's not as trial and error as yeah. it used to be. At least right. you know there are exactly. formulas that work. <laughs> yeah. When I did it, it was like, well, do we need this? Or do we need this more? Or do we need this? Or do we need a person for this? Or you know, it was a whole lot more pulling it out of my brain, but. Uh, Today, right. oh gosh, you can find anything you need about animal welfare uh, and getting started in your community on, on the Internet. And there's so many groups out there willing to help, just so many. Which is nice, because there's always somebody oh, coming along that may be new to the community that wants to help and can reach out. And um, right. so was there, uh, I know you said you're, you're always looking for doctors and you were looking for some volunteer. What, what specific needs do you have, if I were to ask you today, uh, that you'd like to fill? Uh, well, we always need doctors, veterinarians. We always need veterinarians. And that is probably a big, that is, that is one of the hardest things when you start a cyanuric clinic is to get one. But you will get one. They're out there. And then, of course, the vet, uh, we have to, if they're not certified, we have to call them vet assistants. If they're certified, we can call them vet techs. Now, in other words, some people have gone to school right. to study this, and some people just learn So on there's the different levels and things they can, per, procedures right. and things they but can it, do. and Right. But either way, it works. I mean, you know, you can learn. This is the kind of thing that you can learn on the job, and you can be every bit as good as the one who went to school. So 
Yeah. Uh, so if you do want to help and learn yeah. and uh, and and uh, train on the job training, it's available. Right. It sure is. It sure is. Yeah. And and they're hard to come by these days. <laughs> really hard to come by. I don't know whether people just don't want to work or they uh, they just like collecting unemployment. Or <laughs> well, we got to get it. We got to start getting out of our houses. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Okay, for sure. one more yeah. time. Let's just kind of go through the contact information again. If somebody wants to get involved, they want to. They love animals. They want to help, but they have no clue what to do. Um, okay. You can always use them. I'm sure. There's a lot of running around that needs to be done, even if it's out picking up office supplies. Uh, so, right, or making a bank deposit, or whatever. exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, how can they get a hold of who? Who should they get a hold of, and how should they do it? Well, probably me. Um, am I allowed to get? See, I was I was on? trying to get I was trying to get you out of that and put it on somebody else. <laughs> but if you're ready, if you're ready to share well, your I, info, I, hey, no problem. I That's fine. I, I mean, I love it when somebody calls me and says they want to help, or if they have a, a concern that maybe I can help with or something like that. You know, either way. Okay. Uh, my my cell phone is uh, area code six one five seven one four three zero nine six. And our shelter is located at 720 Blythe Avenue in Gallatin. And we're open from about mm, 730 in the morning until 430 in the evening for the public. Now, we're still there usually doing surgery, but right. most of the time we consider those the hours for, for people to come in. Uh, we're in a mad dash until about 9 o'clock in the morning with people bringing in their animals. So if you don't want to wait, you probably should come after 9. <laughs> okay, so it is okay to come after the busy time. It is. Oh, yeah. We, we have people coming in and out all day long because um, different people have different problems that they need solved, and we try to help them. So uh, it, it just depends on, you know, what your situation is. We'll, we'll never turn you away and say, sorry, we can't help you with that without giving you another resource. So. And that's uh, that. What that's what makes for a good community, uh, everybody helping, the public and private partnerships. Definitely. So uh, Definitely. That's awesome. Um, and what's your website again? SumnerSpayNeuterAlliance.org. Okay. June, anything else I didn't cover that we uh, we chatted about this morning? I want to make sure I cover everything you want to. Okay. I just want to ask if people will, if you think we are providing a valuable service to this community, if you would call your county commissioner and say, give that group some money this year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There you have it. June McMahon, thank you for spending the time with us this morning and le- uh, letting us learn a whole lot about uh, you know animals in and around the uh, Sumner County area. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. All right. June McMahon, president and founder of Sumner Spay and Neuter Alliance here in Sumner County. We appreciate her time this morning on WIHIN, and uh, Sumner County Spotlight will be back again next Sunday morning at 10 a.m., brought to you exclusively by FM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard and also at myfmbank.com. Have a great week, a safe week. We're heading into fall, and we'll talk to you next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. right here on WHIN. Sumner County Spotlight has been brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. Whether you need personal banking, banking for your business, or even home mortgages, FNM Bank can provide you with excellent service right here in Sumner County. Visit them today at myfmbank.com. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.